the Radio Randomly podcast. Hosted by Gondi, chatting randomly to radio people about radio. Smallsy, welcome to the podcast, my friends. Welcome. Is it the uh, official number one radio podcast now? Uh, I, I do believe the Batuta Advocate have called you the number one now. Congratulations, mate. This is true. Craig Bruce has retired, so now I take over. You're I think Stephen that's only... Bradbury, the radio yeah. podcast. <laughs> I think it's only fair, Smallsy. Name me one other radio podcast that could take the number one title. No, you're it. That's it. You are definitely it. Well, welcome to the number one podcast mate, in th- the radio industry, my friend. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Why could I, How could I say no? now. It is great to have you on and we have worked together Mm -hmm. so I'm just going to put that out there that that you and I have worked together in the past Mm -hmm. and it's been a little while since we we caught up. We only really get to see each other at Acras and little bits and pieces really but it's good to have you on to have a chat. Mate thanks very much buddy. Yeah you're right we did work together. You were here in Sydney with Fitzy and Whipper and I mean while we did work together we were kind of like ships in the night but we did get to see each other at events here every now and then. Yeah, well, I was on in the, the mornings with Fitzy and Whipper. You were on at nights, but I do remember there was one point there, which I actually I want to get to it in the podcast okay. at some point. Yeah. Just before you got Smallsy surgery, mm-hmm. it was a time where I remember you were you were working at Classic Rock Downstairs. That's right. Form, yes, form guiding music at yep. that point. Uh, so I want to get to that in the, the podcast very soon, but... At the moment, where do I find you? Because you're at your studios right now. Uh, are you prepping for the night show? Have you just finished your morning show? How does this work? Uh, no, it's so it's Friday. So I have just, it's like one o'clock in the afternoon. So I have finished uh, mornings for Friday. No night show on a Friday night. Thank God for that. Uh, so I'm pretty much, I'm home and host. And it's also the last day of survey. So you literally are getting me in the departure lounge as I'm about to head out for two weeks. Oh, this is great. Yes. How good. Good. So how does it work with the, the night show? And now you've just been given the mornings at, at Nova. So they're not both live, are they, surely? No, I won't. Yeah, no. The, the night show, we – look, we do some of them live. I, I So mornings is live every day of the week. The night show, yep. we, we put together um, – and some days of the week I hang around and do it live, but then as other, I'm, I'm, I'm not superhuman, so some of the days we do get it in in pre-record form. So what was the idea behind mornings then? Because you were you're dominating nights. I've lost track of how many times you've been number one consecutively, but I'm sure you know. Uh, I, I think 50 is we're, – we're headed for 50 this year. I don't know the number that it is now. I just know there's a big one coming up. So Congratulations, man. Well uh, done. Well, yeah. Well, you know what? It's every, every day I, we, we work hard and I've got a great team around me and they're as hungry to continue to remain successful as, you know, what I pushed them to be. Um, but, yeah, no, it's good. You know, I definitely enjoy it and I enjoy the doing the night show and um, the, the element of that of breaking music and developing relationships with up-and-comers and things like that I thoroughly enjoy. So how did the mornings come about? Because you were smashing it in nights and then they said, hey, we think you're great for mornings as well. It seems like a lot to take on. Yeah, no, they so they came to me and they were they wanted to they were looking to mix things up and I think they well, I mean I it, I mean you always in this business I think at a certain extent look at what the next evolution is or where do you go next or what do you do. Um the show has been on air at night for such a a period of time now where it's probably quite logical to think that the audience that I started out with five, six years ago has grown. Um, 
there's a opportunity to play on a little bit of that heritage of people who may have grown up listening to me, who've now, you know, moved demos and day parts and probably commute. Um, and then also too, you know, trying to, uh, keep keep top forty radio engaging during the workday because I don't think it's any secret that uh, music stations, particularly top forty, has been under threat from time spent listening, um, and all of the the music streaming services that are out there. That we're kind of you know how ha- how do we ensure the the strength of radio continues into the future? So how are you doing that in mornings? Are you, are you doing some sort of different? Kind of shift because I know that in Melbourne they put Matt Tilly in. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're going more for a personality based show. Yeah. So we do what we do in, in mornings is very is similar uh, to what we have done and, you know, have become famous for, I suppose, doing at night. You know, it's a music entertainment based show uh, where we can just engage the audience and get them to you know, lean into the radio and hopefully keep them listening for longer. So more interviews? Is it kind of like your night show? Uh, Music-wise, um, yeah, look, it's, it, it, we do have the ability to like to break some songs uh, during the day. We certainly, I mean, music, night's music is always much more progressive than what you would find uh, in day's music. But because I do have the ability to have that thread from nights to days, we are able to to get in early in that morning shift and sort of lead the charge on on breaking some of those new songs that we believe are going to go ATB uh, and be hits uh, in the long run. Right. And are you working with the same team? So Zach producing mornings as yeah, well? Yeah, same, same team. We do both. We're basically the same team, um, look after both shows, uh, I said to someone the other day, "Oh fuck! I thought I was busy beforehand. They had I had no idea how busy you can act, you can actually be um, now." Um, but yeah, so yeah, same team, which we all sort of have found our groove. We work really well together. Um, same production team, same promo team, and just look at uh, what we can do. What we, as I said, what we can do in the night show to bring to mornings. What filter can we spin on it? But also, too, I mean, Sydney is such a big city. Um, it's refreshing to be local uh, in probably in a, in a in a previous day part where I was never able to get down deep into the uh, the the minutia of the market that you're broadcasting in because you've just got to be vague because you're a national show. Yeah, of course. And I guess, you know, everyone with nights gets to that certain age as well where they want to branch out a little bit, like you said, with the music being a bit more progressive at night, I guess in the mornings. Does it feel a bit like you're talking more so to adults than kids listening uh, to the radio at night? You know what? I'm gonna, I'll be honest with you. I've, that that I have heard that, um, that, that lens or filter put over night's radio for a long time. I mean, the, yeah. a- the average age for the night show that I do here at Nova is 27. Um, the seven to eight, seven to eight thirty hour in Sydney, Melbourne specifically is still a high commuting time. Like if you start work at 10, you know, if you work a late shift, you're not out of the work until six 30, you're probably listening to some of the, the surgery, the night show as it is. So I've never really looked at the night show that I do as super kitty. Um, so in terms of my music, I kind of always have had probably a more progressive taste in newer music 
Um, I, right. I kind of feel like that's what keeps us young. And if you don't yeah. keep up to date with it, you suddenly start really acting your age and that concerns me. So I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy uh, always being across whatever the latest new song is or the newest artist breaking. And also too, you know, getting in at the ground floor with any of those uh, new artists that could go on to be the whoever's of the future is always uh, fun to be part of that. Well, that's interesting because you were at the forefront of One Direction when they first came out, which I wanted to oh, ask yeah. you about. Yeah. I worked in the building at that time. That feels like it was the start of Smallsy surgery and what really kind of helped catapult it. Yeah, uh, I feel like. Really? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, there's been a lot of chat recently just about you know, music cycles and pop cycles and, you know, is it right now? Is the music cycle differently? Is it weaker? What's – I feel like I was blessed to come through at a time where a band like One Direction, which is like once in a generation really, uh, was breaking through. There was a demo of people who were highly engaged and we were able to really ride that wave. Um, got it getting in early. I could see something was brewing there to ride that train simultaneously with it. I mean, definitely I think in the early days helped connect the show, um, particularly here at Nova where not much had been going on for a long period of time in terms of any real identity because they had bounced through a whole bunch of shows in right. the lead up to me anyway. So Yeah, and at the start of all that, I remember you went over to the UK mm. to do something massive with One Direction and this was off the back. What was the show? They are on X Factor in the UK, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was off the back of that and you went over there. So talk us through that. How did that come about oh. and how did you end up with One Direction? Oh, okay. So I was happened to be filling in for the night show at the time here at Nova because as you alluded to earlier, I did not have a full-time job. I was bouncing around anywhere I could yeah. get work um, between classic rock on level three and, you know, filling in weekends here at Nova uh, in, in Sydney and 969. Uh, and then I happened to be filling in for the night show who had taken the September survey break at the time and somehow the Nova Network had secured an interview sit-down with Bruno Mars. They didn't have anybody to send and they would have, I guess, sent the night show. I don't know, but I just happened to be doing the night show at that time. So, hey, presto, before I know it, I'm fucking filling in survey <laughs> survey break and um, I'm before I know it, I'm flying to London to – interview Bruno Mars, but at the same time, uh, they lined it up and teed it up to coincide with the MTV European Music Awards. So did that. And then while I was filling in for the show, had already started to see that uh, One Direction, the band, had started to have a bubble away. So this was September 2011, um, yeah. before it had really even gone peak mental crazy. And then I was like, yeah, I would. can we get some time with them? And at that stage, time with One Direction was like, oh, as much as you want, take it, take it, take it. They're, 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 who are they? We don't know who they are. Like just <laughs> get whatever. You know, I mean, we, anyone who's done radio long enough knows that in the early days of any artist, before they're somebodies, it's really easy to get access to them and then suddenly one day you're like, oh, my God, it's really hard to get time face-to-face -face with those guys or whoever. Well, I remember Ed Sheeran came into the building there when A-Team had just been released and did a he did a performance at reception in that building that you're sitting in now. And I remember sitting out in reception thinking, who the fuck is this little red-headed kid? He's going nowhere. Mate, hurry up, wrap up your little song so I can get back to work. Yeah. I, and then within the year, massive, yeah, I, absolutely massive. I mean, for the record, I don't think I ever viewed Ed Sheeran through the lens of who is this is going nowhere. Where I always thought he was a big superstar, um, but no, I, you're you're absolutely right. You know, like I mean, anyone who's worked in the business long enough, 
has those stories of you meet somebody mm. or someone comes in and does a promo visit and then in the blink of an eye or 12 months later they go on to be the biggest thing and, oh, my God, you just think, remember that time Ed Sheeran performed in the reception here at the radio station? Yeah, I do. Yes, yes, yeah. I do. You were there that day. I oh, remember yeah. sitting. Yeah. No, I re- mate, I remember. I remember yeah. going, there's Ed Sheeran singing a song. in, And I rem- And anyone who's worked in radio knows you sometimes you, you get that email that might come out, the record label's bringing in a new artist that you've, A, you've never heard of. Get into the kitchen, they're doing a free performance and they'll bribe you yeah. with cupcakes or something like that to get you in there. But, yeah, no, Ed Sheeran happened to be that artist. And, I mean, it's crazy to look how far he has come now. But I enjoy them because, I, A, I enjoy discovering new music and, and being – part of an artist as they, you know, grow. Um, and also too, because you just never know who someone is going to be one day yeah. and it's good to invest early and get those IDs and those liners because they serve much benefit for years to come. <laughs> hey, you've built a brand off being, I guess, mates with these people, right? So that's sort of the the road you go down with your night show, that you're mates with all these yeah. celebrities. Well, yeah, no, I like to do, I like to to build relationships I like right. I like I like to build relationships. Sometimes mates implies oh, I'm best friends with them or I'm um, no no stretch of the imagination. But we are uh, Australia is a tastemaker market. Um, these artists need us to break them as much as they want as we need them to make us relevant. And it's important that you you like like any relationship you just foster it and you make sure that it's yeah. that it's that it's powerful and it's and it's built on something that's meaningful and you know I've got lots of relationships with artists who no one will even remember but I've also got relationships with the few you know the 5% that go on to be something huge and you know you're you're lucky you're lucky enough to to build those and and also to you know, as Bobby Axelrod in Billions might say, you know, you get to call someone on that favour down the track, yeah. you know. Do any of those extend outside of the show? Like would you, if you went overseas, I know you go to LA a lot for things for work, would you hit any of them up and say, oh, you know, yeah, hang def- out outside of a chat? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Um, we, we work in a shared business, right? We're all music lovers. Yeah. I, think, I think that's what I think stands out from the ones that I have relationships with at least is that they're passionate about music as well and not just, you know want their five seconds or 10 seconds of fame. Um, so, yeah, no, it's good. You know, you, it's good and you and you also build that trust because I think a lot right. a lot of it you might think, oh, yeah, I want to be friends or whatever. If you don't balance the relationship, then there is nothing that they invest in you for because if, they, if you if – so, if, so, if artist X brings you into the fold and then the next chance you get is to share whatever it is that they – have um, secrets coming up or whatever it might be that you kind of just self-defeating the purpose because you kind of, in that one instance, you lose the relationship, you know? So what you're saying, you might know something about someone and then you choose not to run with it on air just oh, in case you... That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. You can't. You can't build right. meaningful relationships with people if it's the first chance they they give you something that is for them that you go and spew it on the air, then you only right. have a working relationship with them, you know? Like that, that, that doesn't foster... Uh, long, yeah, right. long term, but anyway. And does this stem off going, I see a lot of your videos where you're, say, at the Chainsmokers house and you're mm-hmm. chatting to those boys or wherever it might be. It, does a lot of it stem off the back of that? Because I imagine after a chat at someone's house, it's pretty fucking awkward. You've got to just kind of go, all right, well, I'll catch you guys later. No, you're, but you're in their house. Yeah, that's well, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. You do get to go 
and you get well, well it's twofold, right? So you 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 develop the relationship on your first encounters and first moments so that when I might travel or be overseas uh, or need access or want access, these people who may not be do- necessarily doing promo for the market that I'm in, that relationship can unlock doors and they go, oh, yeah, fuck, send Smallsy over. We're not doing it. It's not a promo day today, but we'll happily give him 15, 20, 30 minutes, just come over to the house and you can just hang out and chill. And so you get that time with them, but then you can also sort of, you know, feel that relationship and give it the TLC that it needs. So the next time something happens, you also get that invitation as well. And these junkets that you do, are they hard work or are they a lot of fun? Because it looks awesome, they but then are, like, you're just flat out, right? They are the hardest, most soul-destroying thing at times <laughs> on the inside. I'm glad. In the beginning, they're awesome. You think, I'm going to LA, I'm going to do all the, this awesome stuff. And then you spend the whole time working from the moment you get up, putting the show together, and then turning around all the next day. Yeah, you, you, I think you nailed it. You nailed it in one there. They look exciting, yeah. and that's great. And that's exactly what from an industry point of view, we, that we design them to do, you know, like I want people to listen to the show and think that it's exciting and it's great. Don't get me wrong. If I'm tired while I'm over there, people will know that I'm tired and it's not so much fun or it's not so much, not so exciting. Um, Mm. but they are part of, for me at least, one of the many ingredients that make up the show that I do. And you get to go on these uh, Nova Red Room tours as well. Oh, yeah. You've been there for a while. Do you get much of a say in these? Do you have any kind of input in the planning process or you just kind of rock up and go? Yeah, no, you know, I think what I like about where I am now, uh, it's a real collaborative process. Um, there are constant opportunities that always present themselves. Um we get asked to be part of them. We get asked what we think about them. Do you think it's in? it works, doesn't work? What do you feel about an artist? And I can definitely say that Nova, at least in my experience, is not something, not a, not a, a radio station where there are those that sit above that the dictation of, of agenda and where we're going, this is... Uh, this is where we're doing and there's not up for negotiation or discussion at all. Like if someone was to pitch something to me for my show, hey, I might get overruled sometimes, but I'm engaged in trying for the business wants my buy-in and I, and I really respect that and appreciate that. It must feel good to get to that position. It must feel, you know, you've worked hard to get to that position. So it must feel good now. Um, Yeah, no, absolutely. I a hundred percent, hundred percent. Like I am so lucky and 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 not a day there isn't a regularly a day where I just am grateful that I work in an environment where PJ will trust me Paul Jackson our group program director will 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 trust in me and trust in my gut to be able to back me to make the call that I think is right for my show but then also yeah. too at times and funnily enough also tell me if you think I'm completely wrong and made a mistake and you need to follow my and I'm like okay absolutely you're the boss I'll do what you tell me to do um yeah but I'm I'm very grateful that I am given the flexibility to sort of run my own race because I will say like back when we worked together and to this point now and and knowing you for probably since what 2010 yeah. so what's that 9 yeah. 9 years yeah. we've known each other mm-hmm. Um, I would say, and I mean this in the best possible way, I would say that you've relaxed and you've you've chilled out a lot. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I. You know what i I think the the older you get, for me at least, I kind of 
come to a point of understanding. I, I think in my early days, I probably was a high perfectionist. Like I, I need, I needed everything to be right. And, yep. and that, that was very important to me that it, everything was right. Um, I think you come to a certain point of time in your life when you realize, you know what, you can fucking chase perfectionism, but you never, it doesn't exist. Anyone who tells me they think they they've they've nailed it is a liar because it's perfection. You cannot reach it. There is no final destination. If you are chasing that perfect radio show every morning, then it's not happening. Like you 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 must be telling you you must be lying to yourself in some regard because it's not possible for it to be perfect every day of the week. Um, and once you can accept that. You, it's a real freeing experience where you're like, oh, okay, great. I'm all right with this. Let's move forward and let's, you know, tackle whatever it is that's happening next. So do you feel more relaxed? Because I, I do think back to you might have an argument with a, and we've all been there, I've been there myself, you know, an argument with a, another employee mm-hmm. and it might be over something being perfect, but do you feel like you are more relaxed? And is it due to sort of getting yourself to a position that you have been sort of fighting for for so long and now you're there and you're comfortable and, and it's all going well? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's about being comfortable, but I, I would say you have tapped into something there because when when you and I first met each other, as I said, I had nothing, right? Like for me yeah. it was about a point in my career where I was trying to prove my worth, uh, yep. where I was – and I think anyone who, who has a, a, a role or a show or something where – it is eyes on you where you are, you are, it is you. There is no, there is no safety net. You do not have a co-host to back you up on a bad day. Um, you don't have a myriad of people supplying you with ideas or strategy. Um, for me in those early days, because I had come off the back of a a career that sort of started then stopped and I, I felt like I probably was a bit of a passenger in the decisions that I had made in my career when I had that second bite at the cherry, I was yeah. like, I am not going to let things or things that maybe triggered me in the past and I sat silently and did nothing. I'm not going to let that be the, at least if I'm going to go, you know, I suppose it's, you know, in a crude way of saying it, if I'm going to get fired again, at least I'm going to get fired executing the strategy that I think is right and going down for at least everything rolling out the right way that I saw through my eyes and I believed right. to be the right way. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Now, you mentioned it there. So, because you were doing nights at one point. Yep. This is when all the night shows were local. Mm-hmm. And then they decided to go national mm-hmm. and went with Maz Compton, James Curley. The History Wars. Let's play the History Wars. Okay. And Nova was at a point in time where. Uh, night show wise, we were rolling around uh, individual night shows in every market. I was working in Brisbane with uh, a co-host at the time called Michelle Anderson, and every market had its own. Uh, and it was about the same time as like the the GFC and the global financial crisis. Um, and Nova was at a point where I think in, in its in its history was it was it needed like a bit of a change, like it was looking for a new direction and what did it stand for and what did it mean in the marketplace. Um, and at that time, we were I was working in Brisbane, and so then they moved myself and my co-host Michelle Anderson to national nights seven till ten, and they paired us up with James Curley, who had been doing Maz and Curley in Sydney, and then Maz. 
uh, teamed up with Matt Saracini and uh, Dan from the Action Battle team from Perth, and they did Late Nights. And so that happened through 2010, and then, well, that didn't end well at all. Uh, I just you, due to what? Uh, look, you know, I don't, th- I don't know, I don't, I, I don't know if I can speak on on uh, if anyone understands this thought process. When you you've got a team dynamic going real well, and then you jam another co-host in there, and we didn't even do a test beforehand. They just put a third party into the show. Um, I don't think it was ever. How does re- that happen, Smallsy? How does it? How do, you, how do they just go? I'm just going to throw you in. No test, no nothing. Because you know, you know, you know what? I th- back to what I said earlier. You're in a. I was in a stage in my career where I wasn't in the driver's seat. You just do what is asked of you without saying, oh, hang on a second. No, 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 I don't think that's going to work. Um, yep. And at the time we were doing nights in Brisbane. So we're like, hell yeah, we'll take on this national nights opportunity. This is exciting. It's what we've been working, you know, towards. It's great. This is going to be huge. Um, I mean, that barely lasted six months, I don't think. That whole us and Action Battle Team and Maz didn't last, I don't even think, 12 months before – the, the whole top of the business here at Nova had changed and that was into 2011 and then Paul Jackson had arrived and that's when the whole sort of the machinations and the wheel started changing behind the scenes here and then um, the lineups all started to look very different to what they were. So when you lost that gig, mm. were you just thinking, fuck, what am I going to do now? I've worked this hard. you worked a long time to get yourself to that point. Mm-hmm. You got into a national night show and then all of a sudden it's gone. Yeah, absolutely. Like... I'd, I, I can't even tell, I don't even think I can describe the feeling of what it was like to be sat down in the boardroom that is literally 10 feet from me right now and to be told, don't come back Monday, pack up your desk and see you later. You know, like there is, for me personally, like, I, I mean, I won't lie, I've, I've, I've struggled at times having been in this place having had that experience, but then also being in the same business and having a completely different experience. Does that make sense? So like to have yeah. two, to- two totally different experiences and I ultimately too, in the same sort of relationship, it, you know, it's very, and for me at least, and probably in an immature sense in the first time around, probably looked at like that as I've been totally betrayed. Uh, this is unfair. What have I done? I've done nothing but what you asked me to do. Uh, and this is the thanks I get for it. Um, and so I think, but I bet again, as I said to you, it wasn't an enjoyable experience. I don't think anyone who was part of it would have said they were there, their finest hours of radio. And at times, I think sometimes the universe makes decisions for you that you're not capable of making yourself, even though it oh, would yeah. be what you needed to do. Yeah, I'd believe in that. Mm. And so you just decided to, you went traveling for like six to 12 months or something, right? Yeah, no, only about two or two, two or three months. I actually only went traveling oh. um, because they paid us out for our contract and then the money stops. And then once the money stops, it's like, fuck, I got to get a job, right? <laughs> like anyone who's ever been anyone who's ever been terminated mid-contract, you're like, oh, this is great. You know, the the blow of losing your job is quickly uh, quickly rebounded with the fact that I'm going to get paid every month until the end. Oh, righty, this is awesome. Uh, Perfect. Un- until the pay stops and then you have to start looking for new work and new opportunities. And for me at least here at Nova, uh, the end of that, 2010 when my contract was up coincided with a sort of reinvigoration of the Nova business and people who had viewed my talent in a 
certain way leaving uh, and new people coming on board and it was kind of like a clean slate, fresh start and I was able to sell myself in um, in my next iteration of whatever I – at that time I didn't even start 2011 with the I'm going to do national nights and I'm going to take this on and I'm going to do this. It just – it was just like, no, nope, I've got a chance to start from scratch here and I'm going to – prove my worth through my skills and see what they decide and if they value it in the way that I hoped they would. It must be tough walking back into the building though after you've done the national nights, you've taken some time off and you walk back in the building and like I said at the the top mm. of the podcast, mm. I remember just before you got Smallsy surgery and the whole night show thing, you were form guiding downstairs doing classic rock stuff, sitting there doing you know what I would consider to be one of the most boring jobs in, in radio. But you know what? And you were there doing but it. But you know what? When you've got to put food on the table and you don't have money coming in anywhere else and you have a skill, like people look at, you know, people look at like form guiding or linking or music or whatever it might have been that I was doing at that time as like, oh, it's like, a, you know what? It's not as exciting as jumping on them behind the mic, but it also is a skill set, right? It's a job that not yeah. everybody can do. And if you have a worth and you can create that worth, and you have to eat, uh, and you have to pay rent, and you've got to put a roof above your heads, you will do the job. You'll do whatever job is required to make sure you can pay those bills. But every moment along the way, I was um, looking for that next opportunity, whatever it might have been. So how were you through that time, though, while you're sitting there? I know it's easy to sit here and say now, but how did you feel at the time while you're sitting there doing form guiding, rocking up, you know, while you're chipping away, trying to do what it is you, you want to try and get yourself back to? You know, at that point in time, I was in my mid-twenties. You just There's so much you don't know about yourself at that time, right, that I'm glad it happened to me then, Yeah, you know, because I wasn't able to probably really shit the bed and think about, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Oh, my God, what am I going to do? Oh, far out. What's happening next? You know, like yeah. it was. it was one of those times where it was just a bit like, the fact I didn't know how bad it was actually was a benefit, <laughs> you know, like the fact yeah. that I didn't know, God, this is really dire. Um, my naivety got me through. And that's what you need oh, sometimes yeah. when you, and I've been in those situations myself. I actually remember back in the, that time, Smallsy, I did a night show with uh, Rachel Finch, mm-hmm. the summer night show. Yep. And off the back of it, this is just before you got Smallsy's surgery. Yeah. I remember having a meeting with Paul Jackson sitting down yep. and he said, all right, what is it you want to do moving forward? And at the time I was working with Fitzy and Whipper, but I was, uh, I did the summer night show and, and I said, look, I would love to, to do the night show with someone yep. like a co-host. Yep. And he said, well, uh, next year we want to make the night show solo yep. and we've got this guy in mind. So it would kind of be between you and him. Yeah. Right. And it was you. Yeah. And he goes, so yeah, so we're we're thinking either Smallsy or yourself. You had gone off and done the One Direction and all that kind of stuff. And and he said, look, is is solo night something that you're interested in? And I said, to me, it feels like just a music shift at night. If I'm solo, I, I really wanted to co-host at that stage. Yeah. And there was no talk of a co-host. And then he said, well, what we have in mind for you is to go and anchor Husey and Kate in Melbourne. We think you'd be a good addition to to that team. Yep. We put you in there. You get to do team radio. We put Smallsy into nights. And I thought, you know what, that's pretty I'm, – I'm happy with that. Yeah, I'd love to go back to, 
back to Melbourne. Uh, and then, of course, you turned it into what it is now. And sometimes I see you go on your overseas trips and I think, fuck, that could have been me. Uh- <laughs> Look, you know, I, I, I always... I, I said it before, you know, whatever the right thing is or whatever the right moment is, the universe will always end. But I believe that you will end up in the right place that you need to be. Like you may not yeah. take the right path or the direct path or be there quickly, but if you're supposed to be somewhere and doing something, then I kind of do believe that like you're going to find your way there no matter what. Well, looking back on it now, it was it was perfect for me. I wouldn't have wanted to do what you were doing at that time, yep. which was the solo nights. But, yep. I mean, listening to your show now, you, you pull the producers in and yep. you've got a lot of guests to be co-host and, and you've turned it into what it is today. But I went to Melbourne and, and probably going back to the where you said you were, you know, in your mid-20s, you don't – you think you know everything, but you don't know everything. And I, I actually got fired from the Husey and Kate show 10 months down the track right. because I guess I was too, I don't know, too young to appreciate it. I was I was 26 and I thought, have a look at me. I've just taken over from Ed Cavalli and, and Tim Blackwell had been in yeah. that role. And I just thought... I just thought I'm killing it. And you know what? I probably didn't give it the time of day that it really needed. And and those guys were, you know, Hughes and Kate were more seasoned broadcast professionals than I was. And I probably didn't treat it with the respect that it needed. And it wasn't the right timing for me. But, you know, you know no, I, looking I, back I, on that. I also think too that all of these jobs – to do them well require a, a great deal of self-awareness, right? And I'm sure both you and I in our early 20s and everybody in general just can lack some real self-awareness. Like you don't know what it is that you say or how you come across or the, how you present yourself. And it's not until you're way down the road and you, you gain perspective that you end up going, oh, shit. Is that really what it, the, what it was? And that's just particularly in my experience at least too. It's like, oh, that's the last thing I want people to ever think or feel or, or view. What do I have to do to change that perception or whatever it might be? Yeah, well, I listen back to tapes with Husey and Kate and I think, man, I, I just sound like if I went into that role now with the experience that I've had yeah. and then going on and, and even doing the breakfast show that I'm doing now for the last three, four years, it would be a completely – different ball game and you can't see that at the time it, it, it takes time totally. and and anyone who has been I wasn't I wouldn't say I was fired from the role because I was offered another role in Sydney it was just like they wanted to and there was more than just that as a factor as well there was heaps of different factors but that was just they said we think you're best suited to to this role that I, yeah. I went to in Sydney but it's all these things you don't see at the time but it took being fired as well when I say fired moved to another role to really appreciate what I had and make you work even harder at what it is you want to do and give you that perspective all at the same time. So I look back on it while it sucked at the time. I remember laying on my lounge room floor in Melbourne, just thinking I'm shit at radio. I'll never do this again. You know, I, you I've come cry? here, I've rolled the dice. Did you ever cry? I don't know. Yeah, I did. You did. You did. Yeah, I, I, did. I, I, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I ever cried back at the end. I think for me, when when we got when I lost the job in 2010 uh, with a co-host, yeah. because I lost it with someone, there was that ability, I think, to sort of uh, experience this fucking torture of unemployment with someone. So I had this shared experience. I look back on it now going, I don't know what I would have done had I just been thrown out on my own 
Um, yeah, and no one else also had the end done. So yeah, no, it's interesting because I I have I have heard that, but I think my ex- one experience of really being let go, but also too, I I think I have a blind uh, naivety at times to ignore how bad it possibly could be to, no, 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 I'll fix this up. No, 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 it's all good. We can make this work yeah. again. I, this, it's not them. It's it's not not me. It's them. We'll, I'll prove them wrong. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> it's scary though. It can be scary. And you think it's a pointy ladder to climb, you know, and, and there's not many positions once you get to a certain point. So when you lose one, like when I lost the Melbourne thing, I thought, what am I going to do now? Yeah. It's only backwards from here. But I feel like you take a bit of a sideways step like you did with the jobs that you did and you can reclimb that ladder. And I, you know, they do say you haven't truly worked in radio until you've lost a gig at some point. So I, I I used to believe that too, but didn't it change too? You haven't worked in radio until you've lost a gig twice or something like that. Like is that what it is? When you've been fired twice that you really truly know that you've worked in radio. Um, So our second time's coming. Well, no, to be fair, I mean, I, I mean not to re roll over my, my history, but there, there has been a couple of times where I have stared the down the barrel of, Oh fuck opportunities ending. I need to remake this. And, um, this hasn't this this uh, continuation of a position hasn't presented itself in the way that I thought it had. I really need to sort my shit out here and, and get that firing. And that's happened in the last couple of years. No, this was point? back when I was on the Central Coast, mate, going up against uh, you. Well, not you, but C. Uh, when I was at Star, um, yeah, the the, co- the contract turned it into only rolling full-time employment, uh, which at the time I was like mortified. What do you mean? What do you mean there's no contract? It's only full-time employment. And then you start like focusing on what can I do to, to make sure this doesn't happen again. How did you find your time at Star FM? I, you know what? I loved, I loved launch. I loved being part of the launch of a radio station. It is uh, something that only few people ever really get to truly be part of. Um, and it was something that I was like, I mean, I was only 19 at the time. I was not paying near enough attention to just how special it was when it was happening. And I look back on those days very fondly um, about launching that radio station and the the, the things and the we were able to do. When you're chasing the number one spot, you rarely lift your head up to have a look around. You just always head down, work, work, work. Um, and there are times I look back on that and go, I really wish I just lived in the moment just a little bit more. Are you doing more of that now then? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I don't yeah, think sure. absolutely, yeah, I ha- you have to. I'd feel like the biggest hypocrite to say that, hey, I wish I looked through, you know, st- stopped and smelt the roses back when I was 19 to, to be what I am now and also – ignoring my own advice. So definitely, yeah, no, I do have a chance to stop and just, you know, take set of what I am doing and where I'm doing it and, you know. So when you got the job at Star then, the the station had just launched, you were 19. What were you doing to get that job and what, what job did you do there? Uh, so I was fresh out of radio school. Uh, right. Had been doing Thunders at Today FM. Uh, was... Basically signed well. I think the st- I think from memory, the radio station launched in like a March, and I was signed on to be on air announcer at as yet an un undesignated position in like the August or the September of the year before. So there yep. was a solid six or seven months of just like no radio station to work at. Um, so I I uh 
begged and pleaded and said, oh, let me do Dawns at Nova 969 and then I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff here and actually this radio station back when I was 19 um, as I, we were waiting for Star on the Central Coast to launch. I've actually got a photo of you from that time. Oh, great. Morning. I'm awesome. Just don't, you don't have to show I, me that at all. You don't want to see uh, it? I, go show me. Go show me. It's probably just... I'll send it through to you now. You're, you're obviously on your Facebook Messenger. I can send it through to there yeah. or what? Oh, yeah. Go, go, go. I'm going to forward it to you. You can uh, have a look at this. The good old days. Here we go. Get a load of this. Right, I'm, I'm incoming. You'll love this. Oh, yep, that's launch day. There you go. <laughs> that 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 photo. Todd Whittacombe, Michelle Laurie, Enrique yep. Iglesias, and I was panelling their launch show because it was nerve-wracking as shit because Enrique had flown in via helicopter from Sydney with Anna Kornikova to launch the radio station that day. <laughs> and Smallsy, I've got to – I mean, I won't post this picture because I won't do it to mm. you, but, um, yeah, I've got to point out the obvious. You are fat Smallsy mate, I was, that. I mate, mean, can I be honest with you? <laughs> I'm Anyone who knows me will fully understand – that my weight blows around like Oprah in season 15 to 22 of her show. Like I love a burger and then I hate how I look. So I get fit and then I love a burger. Uh, It is, it is the, it is my constant struggle uh, with my own self image um, that, uh, that rolls around. And it's good to see though, ever since I was a child, the same shit's been going down. So that's good to see nothing has changed. And I've learned nothing in my something 30 odd years of life. I think I've struck a little chord there with your uh, smallsy. I'm not no, sure. No, you're right, mate. You're no, good. And the, the only reason I say it now is because, I mean, it's it's interesting to look back on that photo because now you're you're super conscious of your of your health and stuff. I remember when I bumped into you at the Acras, I said, are you drinking tonight? No, not drinking, oh, not yeah. eating any of the food. Like you just were real, you're on a real strict diet. And I guess you've got to be in this job now because there's so much video content. I look at videos from me a couple of years ago and I think, man, Yep. You know, look at that. Mate, look at that weight around I, my face. Okay, I see your Contra F45 post going up there on the Central Coast. I see you I see <laughs> I see you working hard at your fitness too. Can I be honest with you and I and I and I will and yes, you're right about videos and and you you where radio is moving uh the digital opportunities are so vast and continued. But you know what? I, for me and I think anyone who does this job has to admit that we are riddled with insecurities deep down within ourselves. There is people who people who are happy and confident and like themselves and like their lives. They do not step in front of a microphone begging, <laughs> begging for the acceptance or the uh, the love of people who they have never met. You know, I'm yet to meet a single person who works on the air who isn't, if you peel back just one fucking layer of that onion, you start tapping into uh, mountains of insecurity. And you know what? Uh, I pay attention to what I eat and my health and my fitness because it is probably the number one thing that I am self-loathing about the most. You know, it's about my appearance and how I look and why that is. I don't know. Come back to me in 20 years and I'll be able to give you a better, more reflective answer on why it is that I don't like my physical self. But that is, you know, up there with one of the things that, you know, you know, strive battle with or struggle with and have to keep a very tight rein of. So you think we're doing it for some sort of justification? Um, no, I don't know if we do it for some sort of justification. Um, but I do, I do think we, we, we may do it because... We, 
there's maybe a little bit of self-love or self-acceptance within ourselves that we don't give to ourselves that we look for other people to give us. Right. You know? And I mean, unless you think I'm wrong, uh, I, I would happily have a conversation, but I'm only speaking on behalf of how I feel about myself. But the more I listen and read and talk to people who do step forward into a spotlight and ask to be judged by people who they don't know, there tends to be a thread of they're looking for acceptance where they don't give, give themselves that acceptance. That is one of the tough parts of the job, though. Even when you go into, say, air checks and and they are critiquing you as a person, you know. You try and be yourself as much as you possibly can on the air and then when you're sitting there having an air check and someone says, oh, this wasn't right or uh, maybe try that differently, you start to question yourself. I can't think of any other jobs. I mean, there might be a handful, but, you know, any other jobs where you're getting critiqued on your personality and who you are as a person and that can be... That can be hard for some people to to deal with, and that yeah, is. I think anyone who works in a creative business, right? Anyone who's in a, yeah. anyone who's a creative who has to give, well, anyone in a creative business is giving part of themselves, right? It it is it is the one thing that you can't be taught. You can't be taught to be creative. You either have that innate ability to see something and run with something, or you or you don't. Um, yeah. And to be critiqued or criticised on that. That is a skill you have to develop. You have to become used to that, even though most people, no matter how much practice and trying you get, you never get used to it. It's even the same with listeners, though, not just your boss as well. You know, oh, you know, I might meet someone, they go, oh, I listen to Star. Oh, well, good for you. Like, You know what I mean? <laughs> you kind of feel like it's not like you meet someone from a bank and they say, oh, I, I work at Commonwealth. Well, I go to ANZ, <laughs> so... You know, they, they feel the need to tell you, but there you is, kind of take it as a bit of a, a personal I always one. love that I don't even listen to radio, so I don't know what you do, which you know, yeah. just by and large, <laughs> is can't be factually accurate because you may not make an active choice to listen to radio, but let me tell you right now, mate, you definitely have listened to radio. Even if you haven't yeah. been an, uh, haven't made an active choice to do it, you've heard it, you know? like yeah. and, and also, too, mate, what are you, what are you shitting on me for? I, you asked what I did. Yeah. I didn't bring this to the table, like, you know, asking for your validation. Uh, it's, I think it's one of those things that has just for years always been around for radio people. Their first response is, oh, I don't listen to your station or I've never heard the radio. So oh, whatever. It's also one of those things where if you have a shit day at work, everyone fucking hears it, don't oh. they? You know, it's it, <laughs> everyone's there to hear a shit day at I've work. Always, I actually have always, I've always actually said like one of the, the jo- one of the parts of the job that, is exhausting the most is we everyone has bad days right and sometimes there are days where I wish I you know you had the ability to go to work go into your office close the door speak to nobody do whatever you needed to do and go home but sadly I feel like um I don't know. I feel like sometimes, like you, as a metaphor, like some washed-up pop star that's just you know being makeup applied or being re- jazzed up around the sides, and then you're kicked out there and told to perform. Like like the really the in the I don't know if you've ever seen the Katy Perry movie Part of Me, but it's the at the towards the very end, Katy Perry's having this innate breakdown over the mar- her marriage being over to Russell Brand, and she's fucking distraught, and she's in Brazil, and she's got like. 60,000 people waiting to see her perform and she just has to compartmentalise that shit, put the makeup on, I've got to go put on a show. And some days you we're all, we're all human. We all have that moment where it's like, oh, my God, just 
Put that in a box. I'll deal with that once the microphone turns off. We're all Katy Perry deep down, small. We really are. You know, yeah. I'm Katy Perry going through a breakup <laughs> with Russell Brand. What can I say? I have seen that movie and I do know that scene yeah. and she comes up and she's crying and there's, you know, 60,000 people will help get you That's through. That's exactly it, right? Uh, anyway. Sometimes, but it is tough. Yeah. What's uh, So what's the plan for you, mate? I mean, when I spoke to you at the ACRAs, you said you're happy just to keep doing it for as as long as possible. Mate, you're, you're absolutely loving I, it. This business, you know, it can be all over tomorrow at any time. I'm thoroughly enjoying the new opportunity with doing mornings here in Sydney. I, I look forward to growing that. I look forward to seeing how far I can take that. Um, and you know what? Just taking enough time out to stop, smell the roses and appreciate how far we come and how far the team and I work on you know, growing whatever it is we're in the middle of growing right now and see where it ends up. I don't ever take any day for granted because, I mean, having had it all be over before, it can all potentially be over in a split second in the future too. So could you see Smallsy surgery going another 10, 15 years? Mate, well, as long as the mortgage needs to get paid off, that's how long the bastard will go for. <laughs> for as long as the... Actually, someone did because I, I told someone I was chatting to you on the podcast and they said, ask Smallsy about his house. Oh, yeah? I said, what Why? do you mean? And they said, oh, I read some one of those in-style magazine oh, things that you did. Yeah. And I said, oh, yeah, what's his house like? They said he must be loaded. He had some $3 million house in Sydney. Well, look, you know what? Let's not talk numbers. It's fine. I mean, there's more. There's radio hosts that are in Sydney, right, that have got yes. far more expensive houses than what I do. I'll say that I have been lucky. I know what it's like to have nothing. Uh, I am never far away in my mindset from thinking I have nothing again. Um, but if the sun shall shine, I shall make as much use of it as I possibly can because anyone who's been in our business for long enough hears stories of wounded warriors in the ra- in, in from the radio in the 80s and 90s who earned bucket loads of cash, like so much of it they couldn't even carry it out, but they don't have anything to show for it. And I just want to make sure that one day when my when someone above me calls time on whatever it is I get to do, that I have a roof over my head, create myself a life and... I don't have to turn into someone who's jaded, bitter and twisted and, co- and posts on a Facebook radio group about everything that is wrong with the world. But money's pretty good. But, you know, money, you know, you can put it into you. you money, money's good and it keeps you warm at night. Even those that say it doesn't buy happiness, well, it keeps you warm, let me tell you. It goes pretty yeah, well. it does. And so how do you deal with that, Smallsy, with the – because I'm the same as you. I think I, I've got to this point now where I think radio could be over in the next 10 years. You look at the UK and they've just, you know, they've networked their shows. I know you're already on a network show, but you just start to think, man, is this really the way radio's heading and are we all fucked? I don't believe in that. And I and this is not I don't I don't think radio is fucked. I I think radio, the UK is an example. Anyone who's listening whose career might be at a crossroads or someone who is out but wants to get back in. My genuine belief is everything is what you make of it. If you want to come back. It's up to you. If you think radio is fucked and it's got 10 years left in it, then you're going to manifest that in your life and it will be fucked and it will be over in 10 years. But if you want to get 20 years out of it, then you will know what in your gut you need to do to make sure you're still relevant for the next 20 years. That's how I approach everything. And that's what I look at this morning show opportunity now too, right? So Cumin Radio is they're at all-time highs. You've got three radio stations in Sydney and Melbourne all doing over a million listeners. That's a once-in-a-lifetime. Has never happened before. 
share might be low. That's reflective of the amount of listening choices and opportunities that our audience have now. I put my filter every morning through the show. How can I get people to listen to the radio longer? What can I do to engage them, to make them interested in what it is that I'm doing? Because if it's just, if I think I'm going to win just by playing Ed Sheeran, I don't care, every 60 minutes, someone can go and listen to that whenever they want, however many times they want, wherever they want, that's not going to be the radio win. So you use that for motivation? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm like... I, you know, you look at the, the networking of breakfast shows in the UK, any job loss is horrible for, for anybody. Be the best person in the room and then you've got that job, you know. Focus hard, work hard and make that opportunity yours. Nothing's given, I don't think, in this life and you don't get something just because of what it is that you do. You've got to fight for it. And in a competitive environment, I think you have to fight harder. It'd be silly not to. Didn't you want to go to the UK at one point? Wasn't that your kind of, I get the feeling that you wanted to work at Capital or something oh, over you there? You know what, yeah, I had, had an opportunity presented itself in, in seriousness. I would have looked at it, but I, I think I came to peace long ago with realising that we are, do live in one of the best countries in the world. Why would I want to leave one of the best countries in the world? when I can create an environment and work opportunities where I can travel to the places that I want to travel to. But I also get to call Australia home and come back here. You wouldn't rule it out though, if it, if it was to come about. I mean, you're pretty tight with PJ. He's pretty tight with the people over there. Surely that's uh, some sort of link if you wanted to try and make it work. No, yeah, yes, but no. Yes, but no. I mean, I, I, would, I would leave you with, A, I never say no, right? Leave it at that. But two... Sometimes in the, in the bright lights in the big city, you can chase what you think is what you want and what will bring you happiness. And I realized, why would you want to move yourself to be a small fish in a massive pond where you don't get viewed through the same lens as someone who hosts the number one night show here in Australia in a tastemaker market? that can get me into the chain smokers house as we touched on before and they will let you over and you can have a uh, have a chat and do the house do the chat there where if you were in LA hypothetically you're one of 25 radio stations everyone's trying to fight for the slice of the same pie and if you're not hot you're out and there's been a you know a hundred people before you and there's a hundred people all trying to do the same thing at once. Well, you're certainly in a sweet spot, mate, and I can see why you'd continue to do what you do for as long as you possibly can. But having worked with you and, and knowing you for, for those nine years and even just chatting to you today, I mean, no one can deny whether they've had good or bad experiences with yourself along the way. You know, no one can deny the hard work that you put in and it shows. No one can deny that. So. Uh, you know what? I would, I, would, I would only say, you know, in this business, we talk, I talked about before, you know, when people are being creative and giving of themselves and they get critiqued or feedback on, and it can be very hard to separate that as a personal, as personal feedback. I, I think the, the one thing that anyone who's in the business wants to get into the business, it's learn to separate business decisions and business calls from you personally and play that card, be the best that you can be and, you know, you, you, none of us are going to be immune to shitty decisions. 
but it's how you handle them, I think, that really determine how far you go. Well, mate, I appreciate you giving up your time and being on the number one radio podcast. Mate, and big ups to you, now buddy. That- <laughs> big ups to you. I mean, congratulations on that. That is a huge achievement. And, I mean, between you and I, the Batuta Advocate writing about you is what I think is the real-life achievement for you right now. Well, Smallsy, I'll let you know on a bit of a secret, mate. I just mocked that up. I came up with that headline myself and did it. <laughs> Mate, okay, let me tell you number two. <laughs> let me give you number two. And and this yeah. is going to be and anyone who's worked at any show that is successful. Perception yeah. is reality. <laughs> to, to edit that out of the podcast because I didn't need to know that that was a fake. I was like, that's cool. I'm going to do his podcast because Batuta are writing about him. <laughs> now, now I'm like, what am I doing this fucking podcast for? No one's listening. Mate, you agreed before you knew about the Batuta this thing to be this on is, the podcast. This is true, mate. This is true. No, mate, thanks for your time, buddy. I really appreciate it. Small Z, good to catch up there. The Radio Randomly Podcast. Hosted by Gondi, chatting randomly to radio people about radio.